thank you to Kenneth Copeland Ministries for sowing the airtime for this broadcast. There's enough power in every sick room and in every hospital room to raise up that sick one that may be describing you. Yes, you yes. may be in a sick room. You may be in a hospital room. And I want to remind you, power is present. That power is there to do a work. Believe in what's present, not try to get something, but notice that he's already made it yours. It's present right where you're at. Say, I receive that power. I receive that power. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. From the top of my head. The top of my to head. the soles of my feet. The soles of my feet. We are so glad to have you with us today for Jesus the Healer. And I tell you what, it is such an honor for us to be able to minister this word to you. I tell you, it is a life-giving word. The Bible tells us that his word is a lamp to our feet and it's a light to our path. No more walking in the dark, bumping into walls. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about in life. How many times going this way, trying it, oh, that didn't work, going this way, trying it. The word causes us to not live by trial and error, but by the accuracy and leading of the spirit and by the power of his word. And so it is an honor to get to be with you today. Thank you for joining us. And we invite you, become a student. Release your faith today as we minister the Word. Hook your faith up to the Word. And um, get your Bible. Get a notepad and get a pencil or pen because I tell you what, I'm expecting for God to speak answers to you for your life. Amen. That when you, the, the wonderful thing about the Holy Ghost is our helper. But one of the primary ways he helps us is he prepares us. And in preparing us, he puts our answer in us before the question ever shows up. Before the need ever shows up, the answer is in us. And so I'm believing God that you're getting answers in this broadcast for things you're going to be able to have your answer ready for what's ahead. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful that God has led us to teach on the mind. And we're going to keep doing that for a, a little bit still. We're, we're, uh, we're thrilled to do that because I tell you what, the, the way we think affects everything. Yes. I mean, if you think wrong, it affects your spiritual life, your physical life. It, af- it affects your financial life. It affects your marriage, your yeah. home. Yeah. It affects the way you parent. It affects you as an employee. It affects you as a business owner. Uh, There's no getting away from it. (laughs) Everywhere you are, your mind is there. (laughs) And so since your mind is there, let's have the kind of mind that is cooperating with God instead of hindering the flow of what God has for us. There's the faith of God that's in your spirit. If you're born again, The faith of God is in your spirit. But if we think wrong, wrong thinking can hinder the flow of that faith. If we think right, right thinking will cooperate with the faith that's in our heart. And then our our faith can flow freely and can uh, lay hold of some things in a grand way. Amen? Amen. And so I'm so glad that God has his teaching on the mind because we must become skillful in our thought life. Amen. Amen. Um, We've been reading and taking as our golden text, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to look again in verse 7. I'm going to start with the King James translation because Paul was writing to Timothy and he said, For God has not given us 
the spirit of fear. But notice he has given us something else. He has given us power. We could say this anointing, couldn't we? We could say this our authority, right? He's given us power. He's given us love and not just human love, divine love, his own, his own love. And then he's given us a sound mind. He's given it. We have it. You understand that? We have it. And so we have to learn how to handle what he gave us appropriately. He gave us a sound mind. We need to know what's the right thing to feed that sound mind. What's the right boundaries for that sound mind? How do we protect that sound mind? Listen, everything God has blessed you with, the enemy, the enemy wants to steal it from you. Just know that. The enemy would love to rob from you a sound mind. So we have to know how to shut the door to uh, a sound mind being robbed from us. Amen. Amen. Your greatest defense against the enemy is a renewed mind. When you think right, the door is closed. The devil cannot gain entrance because you have to, you have to know this. The enemy cannot do anything he wants to do anytime he wants to do it to you. He cannot. He's got to deceive us first. You know, in the garden, we see this, we see this truth because uh, that serpent was talking to Eve. If he could have taken over their authority and their place that God had given them from them, why didn't he just do it? He had to talk her out of it. And he inserted wrong ways of thinking. And because she listened, because she listened, that's how the enemy robs us of, sound, of a sound mind. That's how he steals a sound thoughts, sound thoughts from us as he speaks and tries to inject wrong thoughts. If we listen... Uh, the enemy can get a place in our thought life that he should not be having. So this was the, this was the point of failure that began with Eve is that she listened. If you listen to wrong thinking long enough, it'll start sounding right to you. It'll start making sense to you because it's working in a deceptive way. And so don't even listen to wrong thoughts. Answer them with the word of God. When wrong thoughts are offered, you take the right thoughts, which are the word of God, and you answer it. That's the action of a renewed mind. I said, that's the action of a renewed mind. And can I tell you what? We're instructed in the word under the new covenant, walk in the spirit. Do you know that that's walking in the spirit? Is renewing your mind? Because you're yielding to the flow of your spirit And for you to yield to the flow of your spirit, you have to have a thought life that comes in agreement with that flow. And so as you feed feed the word of God into your spirit and into your mind, because they both need it, uh, as you do that, your mind is renewed as you become a doer of that word. And I tell you, as I said earlier, the greatest defense against the enemy is a renewed mind because that keeps the door shut on every front that the enemy cannot affect your finances, your marriage, your family, your business, your body, the mental health when you've got the door closed to him in the way you think. Amen. Amen. And that's why he tries to inject wrong thinking because that is his only access and entrance in. He wants to get you to cooperate with wrong thinking. So just because he offers a thought, we don't have to take it. And if you're not going to take it, you better tell it you're not taking it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 
So the amplified translation of 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, in describing a sound mind, it says it's a calm mind. It is a well-balanced mind. It is a disciplined mind and it's a controlled mind. Now that's our, that's our role. We don't allow anything in, in our thought life that would steal our calmness yeah. of mind. Yeah. Uh, it says well-balanced. It's up to us to keep things that are out of balance out of our life. Yeah. We stay right in the middle of the road. We don't get into ditch on one side or the other. And we don't fall prey to people who think wrong and let them cause us to drift with them into wrong thinking. You protect that well-balanced mind. Stay right in the middle of the road. And then not only that, it says it's a disciplined mind. So we have to discipline our thought life so that we protect our sound mind. Not only that, it's a self-control. That means it's under our control. Amen. God gave us a sound mind, then he gives us the authority to uh, enjoy that sound mind, protect that sound mind, feed that sound mind. Amen. Feed it with the word. Now we're going to talk a little bit about one of the things that's one of the biggest enemies to a sound mind. Go with me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. It says this, There is therefore... Now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, see, that should be describing Christians. We're walking after the Spirit, not after the flesh, meaning our spirits are dominating us. We're not letting our flesh lead us and dominate us. And so it says here in in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. God's not dealing with us on the basis of condemnation. You understand that? Uh, He is not dealing with us in that flow at all. That's not his way of dealing with his children. Now, once uh, before we were born again, the Holy Spirit convicted us of sin. That's why we go, I need a Savior. That was the work of the Holy Spirit, convicting us of sin. Once we're born again, The life of God and the nature of God is now in our spirits. Now our own spirits convict us. The Holy Spirit doesn't keep convicting us of you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong. That's our own spirit that will convict us because that's the life of God in us, the nature of God. And so when we do something against that life, against that nature, the divine nature of God that's in us, our own spirit will stand up and say, no, 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 don't go that way. It'll check us. And you can, you can grieve your spirit, you know. And so uh, our own spirit will convict us from then on out because our spirit has the life of God in it. But there's a vast difference between conviction and condemnation. Yes. Don't ever get the two mixed up because they have a different, they, they come from a different place yes. and they have a different work. Mm-hmm. So the, when your own spirit convicts you of wrongdoing, you know, maybe you said something or you were in a conversation after you got away from that, you go, mm, I shouldn't have done that. God's convicting me. Well, it's the nature of God that's in your spirit and your own spirit's convicting you, you see. But whenever, whenever we're convicted by our own spirit convicts us not to do this or not to go there or not to participate in that, uh, that, that conviction lifts us it instructs us on what to correct. Yes. And we're lifted in that. We make that correction. It lifts us. 
condemnation points to your fault and failure and holds you down under it and makes it as though there is no hope for you. There is no victory for you. It pushes you down and holds you down. That's how come we know the enemy is part of that because anything that pushes you down is the enemy. Anything. When, when we do wrong, God does not deal with us by pushing us down. Our spirit convicts us. The life of God in us convicts us. And then it, it shows us, we know in our spirit, okay, I won't do that again. We see the correction that needs to be made and that corrective flow lifts us when we obey it. Amen. Amen. And so condemnation, I love this that Paul said, he said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This word now puts a timeline. Yes. It, puts a, it puts a finish date, an ending date to condemnation. Now, no more. No more condemnation. Well, Pastor Nancy, I've missed it. Well, we've all missed it. But now is the end of condemnation for you. Right now, done. No more condemnation. Amen. We don't have to feel bad and get under that sense of condemnation for a week or two or a month or two when we've missed God so that we can show Him we're sorry. It's conviction that, that leads us to repentance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we repent and that lifts us. But condemnation pushes you down, points to your fault, points to your failure, and holds you down under that. So right now, if you say, I can see I've been living under a sense of condemnation, right now put an end to it. How do you do that? You renew your mind with it. There is therefore now no condemnation, no more. So you answer that sense of condemnation. No, you don't, devil. I'm not, I'm not living under that sense of condemnation anymore because God's not dealing with me on that basis. You talk to it. You answer it. And you say, that's the end of it. No more in my life. Amen. Amen. Condemnation will keep your faith from working. It is critical that when you need to, you need to deal with condemnation just for no other reason than keep your faith functioning. (laughs) If that were the only reason, that's reason enough. So you have to put an end to that condemnation because you need your faith to work every single day. Why? Because faith is how you conduct business with heaven. And if condemnation has been allowed to take its place in your thought life, then what happens is you will draw back from using your faith because condemnation will cripple faith. It will cripple it. Amen. Because God never deals with us along the lines of condemnation. Our own spirit may convict us, but it's, it, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. We repent and then we make that correction and we go on. Now, the word condemned, it means this, pronounced to be wrong, pronounced to be guilty, and pronounced to be worthless. Sentenced to punishment or destruction. That does not describe the believer. You understand that? That does not describe us. We are not, God did not pronounce us worthless. Amen. We are not sentenced to punishment or destruction. That's what condemnation, uh, though that's the flow of condemnation, that's why when someone yields to this sense of condemnation, they just keep sinking 
and sinking and sinking lower. Why? Because it pushes you down and it holds you down. Mm -hmm. And it says here that the one definition of condemnation, it said pronounced to be wrong, pronounced to be guilty. And you say, well, Pastor Nancy, I've done things wrong. I've done things I'm guilty of. Yes, but the blood of Jesus cleansed that. So once you're cleansed, you're no longer wrong. You're no longer guilty. You have to, to yield to condemnation. You have to forget the blood. Amen. You have to because the blood makes it as though you never missed it. That's the power of the blood, the victory that's in the blood of Jesus. It is as though you never missed it. Once you repent and you acknowledge because 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our faults, he is just, he's righteous to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How does he cleanse us? With his blood. The word cleanses us. The blood cleanses us. And that blood washes, it, washes that sense of guilt away. Amen. Amen. And so this is the thoughts of the renewed mind. You have to remember, I am cleansed by the blood. Even though I did miss it, that miss is annihilated. The blood made it as though it never existed. Now, I say this to you because it's true. We need to build this truth in us that the blood makes it as though we never missed God. Now, what would you do for God if you knew you had never missed it? What would you believe for if you knew that your faith would always work because your faith never missed it? You never missed it. See, what? how bold we would be if we were mindful that the blood makes it as though we never missed it. Listen, we're made righteous because Jesus is right, not because we've done everything right. Our righteousness is of Him. Our righteousness is not earned because we did everything right, because we didn't do everything right. That's why we needed a Savior. And thank God we have a Savior. His righteousness is made ours. We're righteous not because we've done everything right, but because He has done everything right. And he made that ours. You have to build that in you because so many people live with a cloud of their past over their thoughts. And God didn't put that there. Condemnation put it there. You've got to, you've got to run that condemnation off of, your, off of your life and out of your thought life. Amen. And uh, people who... People who don't understand these things might even try to remind you of where you've missed it mm-hmm. and maybe try like holding a, a conversation of condemnation over you because they want to remind you how you've done them wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't, treat our, we don't treat it lightly that we may have wronged someone yes. and we should make that right with them. We repent of that to them. Yeah. We make that right. Mm-hmm. But once we've made that right, we say, yes, I know that there was that in the past, but Jesus washed me of it. He cleansed me of it, and I'm forgiven, and I'm going to, li- and I'm treating you right from here on. And I'm not, I'm not operating under the past. Amen. 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 Yeah, Listen, uh, a new creature. It says the old is the old man is dead. The old is washed away. Mm-hmm. Behold, all things have become new. Listen, your past is worthy of one thing: forgetting. That's what it's worthy of, to be forgotten. That's why the blood washed it away. Amen. Amen. For us to yield to a sense of condemnation is to set aside or forget the price Jesus paid. 
And that's, that's not a light thing. When you, you have to forget the price his blood paid and what that blood accomplished to, to cooperate with the sins of condemnation. So no more. Amen. Just say no more for me. I'm not operating under that. Hallelujah. Um, those who yield to a sense of condemnation and guilt and shame. Shame is nothing but a sense of condemnation. Guilt is nothing but a sense of condemnation. To yield to that will weaken your faith and therefore it will affect your fellowship with God because you can only fellowship with Him based on your faith. And you'll draw back. See, what when Adam and Eve, when they, when they sinned, before that, God would come down and in the cool of the day, he would fellowship with them, right? Remember what it talks about in Genesis. After they sinned, of course, the, the first thing they did, they tried to cover their bodies up because the glory was no longer there to cover them. And then when God's presence came to have that consistent time of fellowship, they were hid. The first, one of the first flows of the sin nature is to hide, draw back from God. And he called to them, where are you? Mm -hmm. Now you know what condemnation seeks to do to get you to draw back from fellowship with God. It's a, it's a flow of of something you're delivered from. Anything that, that hinders your fellowship with God, you better take a stand against it. Amen. And condemnation is just that. It takes faith to receive from God. That's why the enemy loves to try to get Christians under a sense of condemnation because then he cuts off their receiving from God if they cooperate with that condemnation. Why? Because faith is not a conductor of condemnation. It will not conduct. And condemnation will not conduct faith. Amen. Those who yield to it, that sense of condemnation will, will find their faith inoperative. When they go to use their faith, the, with that hand of faith they go to receive from God, that hand of faith will be crippled by condemnation. It will not have, even if it does lay hold of it, it won't hold fast. It'll let go of it because that condemnation has that sense of guilt, shame with it. So when people talk about guilt, shame, and all that, it's, it's condemnation. Put an end to it. Jesus put an end to it. You put an end to it in your thought life. Amen. We have to renew our minds to these things so we don't live with the past as a shadow we're trying to constantly run from. Amen. We have to resist it. How do you resist it, Pastor Nancy? You talk to it. And you say, condemnation, you're not mine. I refuse to yield to you. I will not live under the condemnation of wrong decisions, wrong choices. They don't belong. That doesn't belong to me anymore. Amen. Amen. Now to not yield to condemnation, you have to forgive yourself. You have to forgive yourself. Um, Mark 11, 23, 24, these great faith verses. What uh, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, he said, "For verily I say unto you, what things soever, excuse me, verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe." So we're talking about faith, right? Yes. Shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Mm-hmm. Verse twenty three is telling you things will obey you. Talk to them. Yeah. 
That's what verse 23 in a nutshell is saying. Things will obey you. Talk to them. Verse 24, therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. Again, this is your faith. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Verse 24 is telling you how to get your desires met. What things soever you desire. Now he's telling you how to get your desires met. Verse 25, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. Notice he's telling us what's the one thing that will make 23 and verse 24 not work. Forgive unforgiveness. <laughs> it's other things will make your faith not work, but he's saying this is the primary place where people miss it. Okay, now look again at verse 25. When you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, can I tell you this? When it says ought against any, it doesn't just mean it does mean any other person, but you're included in that any. Yeah. If you have ought against yourself, yeah. that you're not forgiving yourself, your face's not going to work. Wow. That's what he's telling you. Any unforgiveness towards someone else or toward yourself, your faith will not work. Amen. Now listen, because we live with ourselves, right? We are well acquainted with our weaknesses, our faults, our shortcomings, the unrenewed mind will get occupied with that. The renewed mind is occupied with what Jesus provided. The unrenewed mind is always rehearsing what I'm not, what what I can't do, what I do wrong, how I'm weak in this, how I can't do that right. Oh, I'm just always messing up. That is not faith. That's an unrenewed mind. You've got to renew your mind to the truth that Jesus is my righteousness. He is my success. My success is is in his word, doing the word and who he is in me and who I am in him. That's my success. And you've got to quit attaching your own humanity and trying to have success naturally. Your your success flows from who you are in him. Amen. Listen, I've seen, I've seen Christians, and it's a heartbreak as a pastor to watch people just cave in upon themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, the Word says that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you get under a sense of condemnation, he will turn you into your own accuser. Mm-hmm. You will accuse yourself. You will sit and just accuse yourself. I'm not this. I'm not that. I've made so many mistakes. I've done this wrong. I've done that wrong. That stuff will not arrive us in the highest flow of faith. We have to renew our minds. We've all missed it. That's why we have a Savior because we, there's the weaknesses, faults, failures, all these things that are on the human side. Quit being occupied with that. Quit giving attention to that. Give attention to the Word. Give attention to what Jesus worked for you, who you are in Christ, and be bold in your faith and quit being under a cloud of condemnation and stand up and lay hold of the victory that's yours and live a life of peace and put an end to condemnation. Amen. Well, this is part of what we're teaching in a sound disciplined mind. It's part of a sound disciplined mind. You can get your own copy at DufresneMinistries.org. We invite you to go there and get it. And until next time, remember that. Remember, Jesus is the healer. God bless you. To watch or listen to today's message and other messages by Nancy Dufresne, visit DufresneMinistries.org.
please join us for our annual ladies conference at Wood Harvest Church in Marietta, California, October 4th through the 6th. Everyone is welcome to attend. For more information, visit our website at thefraneministries.org. If you would like to share a testimony or let us know how this ministry has blessed you, we would love to hear from you. Please visit our website at defrainministries.org. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at defrainministries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, submit a prayer request, or visit our online store. Thank you to the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries for making this production possible.